Welcome back to the Poptimist, everybody. I'm sorry I was sick last week. I did a short little episode, talked about the new single by Violet Moons, did a throwback episode with Dr. Vera Tarman that I recorded over Zoom, which was all about food addiction. So that's a pretty interesting one. So if you haven't gotten to check that out, check out last week's episode. Today, we have Brad Soonan here to talk about his solo career and also some of the bands that he uh, has played in. And today's producer is none other than Danny Shaw of Eat Sleep Rock. Hell yeah. I'm excited to be here. How's it going, Brad? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. I mean, we've, yeah. prob- we've known each other for a little while. Um, I always see you kind of playing with different bands out around town, you know, mm-hmm. in the East Nashville scene. And uh, you would hit me up and said you had some solo music coming out, and you sent me some of the solo music you already have out. And, uh, we were just like, yeah, let's do an episode of the podcast. Yeah. So what do you got that you're working on? You were talking to me a little bit before we started that you have a new single coming out. Yes, I do. The, I'm going to be announcing it tomorrow, tomorrow, and that it's going to be available for pre-save and it's coming out July 15th. It's called didn't last. Okay. Very cool. Where'd you record it at? The Bomb Shelter. Oh, shit. I've heard good things about that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recorded my first EP also at the Bomb Shelter as okay. well. Nice. Um, what is the Bomb Shelter like? I've heard a bunch about it, but I've never been there. It's a cool place. I mean, it's got definitely a bunch of like different analog law gear, good-sized tracking room, as well as like a B-Studio as well. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I uh, I want to check it out. I've mm-hmm. been trying to check out more of like the local smaller studios lately mm-hmm. to see what's kind of a good fit for me because I'm trying to produce more. Hell yeah! Uh, but that's one name I keep hearing is uh, is the bomb shelter. So when you went into uh, record, did you do everything yourself, or did you hire out a band, have a producer and an engineer? How'd that work? So for this EP, this time I decided I wanted to. Try to to track it with like a band band together, like track it for the most part live off the floor. Of course, we Fuck did yeah. some punch in punch ins in case people weren't happy with their parts, and also just overdubbed it more like any other guitar parts and any vocal goals as well. And we had like an engineer, but yeah, I had a keyboardist, a bass player, and a drummer with me. Who was playing with you? Nolan Brown was on keys. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, That's a name I'm hearing frequently these days. Josh Bean on bass. Okay. And Sammy Potts on drums. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That's, it's always fun going in the studio. The studio is my, my favorite part. Like I could take or leave the live show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I always feel so awkward out at live shows. I feel like I don't. I'm very unapproachable. Like I know I'm unapproachable when I'm, when I'm out, I get kind of like quiet and moody and like stoic a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm always so nervous to go talk to people, you know, cause I'm just up in my own head about playing. I never have really felt comfortable in bars or clubs. It's never been my scene. You know, I tried it like hanging out in those places when I was younger, but it was never really, right for me so you know of course picking a career where it's like i have to spend my majority of time out there it's always made me kind of uncomfortable i've never Mm -hmm. been i've never been very social when i go out to play yeah 
I'm sometimes the same way of like, if I don't have like maybe like a mutual connection with me, it sometimes is a little tougher to meet people. But sometimes I do have to take that step and just like put myself out there and just like introduce myself to people sometimes. It sometimes becomes easier if like after seeing like say an artist or a band that I saw play live live and just a little bit easier to talk to them afterwards. Yeah. It can be a challenge though. I think what it stems from for me, you know, I'd love to be all day long. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm so just like, Oh, I'm moody or Oh, I'm this or own that. I think in social settings with multiple people, I feel introverted. Like I've never been the life of the party kind of guy, Mm -hmm. but I feel like in when I'm just like sitting around with my friends or whatever, I can talk, but I, I've just never, or if I'm in front of everybody, like in the room, everybody looking at me, I can talk then I can talk fine. Mm -hmm. But if I'm just like in the sea of people, maybe it's because I'm a narcissist, um, in the sea of people, I, I don't, I don't know what to, to really say. I don't know what to do. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I really struggle with that. Yeah, because I know for me, it's like I'm just sometimes looking around, see if I know any anybody, buddy most of the time. But it's like if I don't know too many people, know someone that see like a, a friend or friend or someone I know, it's like it's easy for me to like just like kind of just shut down and just like wanting to just like, like kind of like go go back into like just like kind of like just hide yeah. hide and whatnot though because even for me like I'm very introverted as well yeah yeah I would I would say for myself I'm more of like an ambivert you know where I'm yeah. a, a little bit of both um, it just depends on the social setting mm-hmm. I think when I see people out at the bars and clubs, like laughing and cutting up and having a good time. It makes me nervous. Cause I don't really know how to do that mm-hmm. in those situations. But like, if I'm at a house party or something like that, like back in the castle days when we'd all just sit around and shoot the shit, I felt fine with that. You know, yeah. I'm good in that setting, but mm-hmm. I don't think I can, I, I don't, I've just never been that guy otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Good old castle days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to go to the castle? I never did, though. You know about the castle? I did know about the castle, yeah. though. I know there were a couple opportunities that I I had that night where I saw, like, maybe, like, someone post, like, oh, party at the castle, and then I... Well, let's be honest, it was Dustin. Yeah, he was the king. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the king, king of, of the, the castle. castle. He was the jester, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he was the king, the jester, the queen, all of it. Dude, okay, so um, I've been watching Eastbound and Down, and straight up, Kenny Powers is Tristan Norfleet. Oh, yeah, for sure. They have the same kind of energy. Have you ever seen Eastbound and Down? I have not seen that movie. Do you know what it is? No. So Danny McBride, he plays this character called Kenny Powers, and uh, he used to be like a, a famous baseball pitcher and he basically gets thrown out of the league he has to retire and then he moves back to his hometown and becomes like a PE teacher Mm. but he just is rocking a mullet and like not giving a single fuck he he thinks he's gonna come back he's gonna have like a huge comeback 
But just his swagger is what reminds me of Tristan. The level of confidence he has is what reminds me of Tristan. Tristan loves that show, too. Of course he does, bro. I was going to say, I don't know if you know that, but if you I go to his him. house, he'll watch, he watches that shit all the time. Of course he does. Yeah. Yeah, it, I was just laughing because every time <laughs> Danny McBride, he was like ranting to someone or saying something to him. I was like, oh, shit, this is straight up Tristan. Yeah, man. I feel like he plays himself in everything that he's in. Like, have you you've seen This Is The End? Oh, yeah. Dude, he's just such a douchebag. Yeah, Tristan's plays, not a douchebag no, like Tristan, that. Tristan is not a douchebag like that. Like, he's not going to try and screw you over or be mean to you or anything. But there's... I think Tristan takes pride in presenting himself as a dirtbag. Yeah, he's like Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I call Tristan Ricky. Yeah. I think Josh started that, though. He Really? Yeah, he calls Tristan Ricky sometimes. Trailer Park Boys is classic. Have you seen that? No. Oh, man. That's another great show. Honestly, it really reminds me of, um, of growing up in Maine. Really? Because it takes mm-hmm. place in Atlantic Canada, which is not far from Maine. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It's very similar culturally. It, it looks the same, too. Like, Maine is a beautiful place, but it's also kind of like a dirty place. Like, the way I see Maine where I grew up, it's like a dirty piles of ice and snow and, like, shopping carts left everywhere and just, like, cigarette butts all over the ground and people begging in the Walmart parking lot and shit like that. Damn. That, uh, yeah, that reminds me of my hometown too. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhat. Where did you grow up, Brad? I grew up just outside of Chicago in Evanston, Illinois. Okay. So you could definitely relate then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what was it like growing up in Illinois? Were you like in bands early on? Did you come from a musical family? Um, so I didn't really come from like musical family per se. Well, the, the first instrument I, I started on was actually piano. My mom made me and my younger sister take piano lessons when I think I was still in grade school at the time. I didn't really pick up guitar until I was like 13 years old. Old, but yeah. What was it that made you want to pick up the guitar? I think, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I know it just was like one night I wanted to play like my second oldest sister's classical guitar. So I just started learning on that, that though. And eventually I think I discovered like, like rock bands such as like, you know, ACDC, Aerosmith, ZZ Top. The fun Top stuff. And, yeah. The stuff about getting laid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so were you like playing in bands in high school and all of that? I wasn't really playing any, in any bands in in high school i tried to like like you know put some ads out out there while i was back home just to try to find some people to play with but nothing really not much really ever materialized so then you you went to college in nashville right is that why you moved here yeah my dad found the college college that i ended up going to my first two and a half years down here okay where'd you go belmont okay uh, were you uh, going for like music production or audio engineering? Yeah, audio engineering. Do you, do you still do like audio engineering stuff? Um, so somewhat. Like I still like record like my own demos. I'm gonna gonna be uh, doing hopefully doing some more audio opportunities at my. Well, it's currently right now my second job job at the time. Right now, though, mm-hmm. it's gonna become my main job uh, since tomorrow's my last day at my. 
my main at the job that I'm currently working at. Mm-hmm. Are you more into uh, live sound record or like uh, live engineering or studio engineering? I would say I'm more. I was more into like the studio side of things. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's all about the studio. I got super into like Motown and Stax Records mm-hmm. just because it has so much great bass stuff. Um, and then I started learning about like Barry Gordy and other people like that who were kind yeah. of the man behind the scenes of putting everything together. So I started thinking about music in a different way and I got super into Danger Mouse and Mark Ronson and Phil Spector and all of these great auteur producers that have a very, they have a particular sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think, uh, too, it was like film directors for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think with engineering and recording in general, it's interesting once you, you're like in Nashville for long enough because every everybody is an individual to a certain extent, but you start to see certain personality types gravitate towards certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like there's a certain there, and there's many shades within that too. Like lead guitar players, like there's lead guitar players like Josh. And then there's guys that are just straight up. Like they shred without any rhythm or feel, you know what I mean? Who, Cause there's like technically proficient players. There's guys that are feel guys and there's people that are both. And like Isaac would probably consider himself more of like a feel guy. Josh would probably consider himself more of a feel guy too, but he's very technically proficient. Right. I think there's a place for all of those types of guitar players though. Mm -hmm. Unless you're an asshole. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, Then you won't get picked for anything. Yeah. But, but I mean, I appreciate the guys who just do dive bombs every five seconds, just as much as the guys who are, you know, putting a lot more thought into it. Yeah. I I think it Mm -hmm. all is, there's a place for all of it. Well, it's all about context, you know what I mean? In context of the music. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever really gone out to any blues jams in town? There was one time where I think uh, the East Room at one point had like, like a jam jam night there. So I went out to that a few times. What about you, Danny? I haven't. I've always wanted to do the, um, what's the jam? It's uh, Inglewood Lounge Jam. I've wanted to go there a bunch yes. of times. I've gone, um, but it's, there's such a crowd there. It's like hard to even get to the front most yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. And everyone's super good, yeah, too. It's, it's yeah. hard to get on the list, some of the jams. Like yeah. The way I kind of started out in Nashville was going out to blues jams and playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I would go and play on Tuesday nights at this place uh, called The Country, which is now The Local. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah, and they had a Tuesday night blues jam, and Kara Lippman, Caribbean Glue, she ran that jam, and she had, like, a house band, and that was, like, the pro blues jam in town. Like, all the players were super fucking good like top level, you know, like some of the people that would show up like that. It's that guy who's uh, one of the Allman brothers, guitar players. I can't remember what his name is, but he he lives here. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't remember what his name is. Is it Dickie Betts? No, it's not Dickie Betts. Dickie Betts didn't show up to the jam. It was like one of the dudes who like later on joined the Allman brothers. Okay. 
it was maybe Jack or something. It was Jack something. I, I can't remember. Josh would know. He would be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just even being, like, at a jam with someone like that, it's like, oh, shit, these people actually exist. You can see them in the flesh in Nashville, mm-hmm. and you're sharing the same stage with them. Um, I, I, I didn't play with the dude who played in the Almond Brothers, but I played with, like, his nephew and his nephew's son, who was a drummer and a singer, and I just ate shit and embarrassed myself. Mm-hmm. I embarrassed myself so much at the jams when I first moved to town because you have to learn how to hang, and I didn't, I didn't know how to, to hang yet. Like, I was quick on my feet, but it's that moment when you become, like, deer in the headlights when the music starts going to a place and you start thinking versus feeling. Right. Mm, right. You know, because you just choke then. Yeah, I definitely have had those feelings when I've occasionally, like several years ago when I would, like, occasionally jam with some people and I would sometimes just, like, like choke and not know, like, what to play. Yeah, start overthinking it. And, I mean, that just ruins the... The music, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it, the other thing that I love too was just like going and playing with people in their basements for no other purpose than just to jam. That yeah. might be honestly my favorite thing about Nashville and I haven't done it much mm-hmm. lately. It's been a minute. Isaac called me the other night when we were, me and Danny were on a, on our way out to a reveal show. They were playing mm-hmm. at Kimbrough's yeah. and, uh, he was like, yo, you want to come jam? And I was like, no, I can't. I'm on the way out to a show. And then I ended up getting sick as fuck. Um, I, that was the night I started getting sick. And then I was just down for a couple of days. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love just like completely free jamming and letting the music just kind of take you wherever. Yeah. And with the band that I play in, the FUs, like we've sometimes have had a few jams from like practicing, seeing like every week though. So it definitely helps me just like get more used to like playing with other people and it's like now it's like I have like certain like ideas and licks that I usually go to go to that Mm -hmm. that pop into my head because I know like all right play like that and just like no will will fit like more within the context of the song though how long have you been playing with the FUs for I joined the band well I think I joined the band like like about a year well (coughs) I got the opportunity to join like back last May, May of 2021, but we really didn't start practicing until like July or August together. Nice. Because we were just like rehearsing like for three months, just trying to get like a set list down. Yeah, I I saw you guys play. um, We played a house show together where I was kind of like a, uh, just like a, a hired gun for the show and you guys sounded great. Appreciate it. Yeah, you guys, all of you were wearing suits, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that aesthetic. It, it, it reminds me of like early Beatles. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I like I like the dapper look. That's classy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is classy. It looks good on me too, so that's a, I'm a little bit biased. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I felt like that night that I played that show, I, I won't say who I was playing with, but I was. it was a, a train wreck of a fucking set. Mm-hmm. Did you see our set? Do you remember what happened? Um, I don't remember too much about what happened that night. So it was booked very like haphazardly. Yeah. Um, and it was done with good intentions. And we, we had one rehearsal, 
but one of the guitar players ended up getting way too fucking drunk and oh like God. fell down the stairs before the gig even started. And then when we were playing our set, he was just, he wanted to be up too loud and like the, everything was positioned so awkwardly. Do you remember how awkwardly everything was positioned? Yeah. Cause like we had to put our, our bass player at, at the time it had to be put in the back, back with our drummer though. And it was just me and our front man up front though. Yeah, and you couldn't you couldn't hear shit. Which it like looking at it like they I don't think they really knew that that was gonna happen because no one want that to intentionally happen. But it was just a fucking train wreck. And then like in between songs, the drunk guitar player he started playing like Enter Sandman and shit like that. Classic. Yeah, (laughs) which is just like Guitar Center Noob One Hundred One. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to be doing that on a fucking like no shade on on Inner Sandman, it's a great song. Mm -hmm. But to be doing that on a gig that you're hired for, it's just no fucking social understanding of what to do as as a player. It's like ripping Crazy Train too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the singer was like trying to address the audience and talk to them and everything and he would just start playing and like it was bad. It was Ooh. not good and we were not able to to ever walk in. There was a few parts that were not so bad like we mm-hmm. we did a cover of a Muse song and that was really cool, but as soon as that was over, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I didn't want anybody to see that I played because mm-hmm. I, I had like a good reputation as a player. You yeah. know what I mean? But I don't even think you could hear the bass parts because they didn't even have like, it, there wasn't even a bass amp. It was like a, a subwoofer mm-hmm. that I had to plug into. And they were like, oh yeah, we have a bass amp and I show up and it's a subwoofer. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. That's funny though. That's some house show mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Danny, have you ever been a part of any train wreck house shows? Oh yeah, of course. The last one that I threw was a train wreck. What, was that the July Fourth one, or was there one later than that? It was the one after that. It was September. Uh, it was like last September. I don't remember the exact date. Maybe like fifteenth or eight. I think it was eighteenth. I think it was the last uh, September eighteenth, and uh, it got shut down before ten o'clock. It was a train wreck. By I couldn't. The cops? I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't even walk in my basement. There were like two hundred fifty people there. What happened? The neighbors just got pissed, and um, there were just so many people. And what happened was, um, shout out to Cadence Hinnant from the band, now Cadence, but at the time he was in a band called Slick, and uh, he basically just told everyone from Belmont, actually, because he goes to Belmont. I think he still goes to Belmont. And um, he just like went around and like told all the Belmont kids. There was literally a Uber traffic jam in front of our house. Like I remember at one point, not only were there, cause you're not really supposed to park on my street, but people were parking on the street just to the side. Um, because there's like two churches within walking distance. So we always mm-hmm. like tell people to go park at the church and then they're the street, like over from the street that we're on, you can park on. And so we were trying to tell people to do that or tell people to just come like with an Uber or Lyft. And it got to the point where there were so many people that we couldn't keep track of all the people who were like parking on the street. Cause usually if someone parks on the street and we catch them do it, we're like, Hey, do this. But it was like, we'd walk away and like 15 cars would pull up in, you know, a matter of like five minutes 
and no one was, I mean, it was so crazy that no one could just watch parking. And, uh, but Cadence, he was out there trying to like get people to move and stuff. But I remember at one night there was a line of cars going up the whole street, which is like the fastest way to get shut down at my house. And then there were like, I'm not even exaggerating, like 11 Ubers all dropping people off at the same time and the Ubers couldn't get around each other. (laughs) So it was just completely bottlenecked. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. There was literally, I remember at one point I tried to go down into the basement and there were, it was just a sea of people. I was supposed to be running sound for the bands and I remember the band started and I was like trying to get down and there, there were so many people packed in that I just, I couldn't even come close to. What did the cops say when they showed up? The cop was actually really cool. Um, unfortunately by the time I got to the cop, people were like scattering like bugs and um because someone yelled cops and you know it was a bunch of belmont students so i mean i can only assume that not everyone was of age uh 21 that is i'm sure everyone was at least 18 um you don't want to have chris hansen to show up no i mean it is it was a college i mean everyone who was invited was in college or older so i'm I'm pretty certain everyone who was there was at least 18, but I can't say one way or another whether there were people under the age of 21 drinking. I We weren't serving alcohol or anything like that. Um, it was kind of like a BYO. It's, it was a party, you know? So a house party. Pe- yeah, yeah, so people could have been showing up with alcohol. Or and, already showing up hammered. Yeah, or showing up hammered. I mean... Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw some girls do some shit that reminded me of being 18. Like, I saw this girl pour beer into a mixed drink. And I was oh like, God. That, is, that is some, like, that's how you know. When you see someone do some shit like that, you're like, 21-year-olds don't fucking do that shit. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, exactly. I didn't, I like I said, I can't confirm or deny because I didn't check any... IDs and you know but it got shut down and everything and again I can only assume by the fact when someone said hey the cops are here everyone started running in different directions and I'm people are running away from where the cops are and I'm trying to stop people and I'm like hey hey where's the cop and they're like we don't fucking know we're just trying to get away and I'm like no I need to find the cop like this is my house yeah and Mm -hmm. so I go up and luckily, uh, Indy, my friend Indy, I think you know Indy, uh, Brad. You've, he's been out to a bunch of shows, but um, mm-hmm. he used to live at the castle too. Okay. But anyway, he was talking to the cop, and apparently Indy's told me kind of the gist of their conversation, and he went up to the cop and was basically like, yeah, I know the owner. Um, I'm sure he'll be here shortly. Pretty much, he was yeah, just he, yeah. he was mm-hmm. just like. And the cool thing about Indy, why he like was non-threatening, was because he like didn't throw his drink or like he was just sitting there. And I, when I walked up to the cop, I had a beer in my hand. So it's like, obviously, you're not going to go up to a cop with alcohol in your hand if you have something to worry about. You yes. know what I mean? So. Um, so when I went up and he talked to me, he was surprisingly cool. He was like, this, one of the first things that he said to me, he was like, he's like, man, quite a party you have here. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 
Uh, it's my friend's birthday. It just got a little out of control. We didn't know many people were this many people were coming. It was nobody's birthday. I was just saying that. Um, and then, uh, and then he was like, "Look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm only a cop four days a week. The other of the other three days a week, you might even catch me at something like this." He's like, "But over the last hour, I've gotten." over seven calls from your neighbors. And he even told me, he said that this house um, has a history and that pretty much everyone on the block has his personal number. They're not even calling like the cops anymore, that they just call his personal number, which it is true. Um, We had been shut down by the city before pre-COVID. We, like the Davidson County, uh, pretty much, and the fire marshal, came to the door one day, found out that we were having another party and we're like, we're like, yeah, you can't do that. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of all that, but they, uh, pretty much, um, overreached. The, yeah, they overreached. Yeah. And, um, but the cop was cool. He was basically, he pretty much told me he was like, look, he was like, you're not really doing anything wrong, but when we get this many complaints in a short amount of time, we're kind of like, neglecting if we don't actually look into it. And he was like, I would hate, he was like, you seem like a nice guy. I would hate to have to come back and start like checking IDs and stuff like that. He was like, so Mm -hmm. he was like, I'm not forcing you to do it, but I would just probably recommend you just, you know, end the party now. And I was like, all right, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the game with house parties. Like, there's always a chance it's going to be busted up. Like that one that we played at, yeah. there was a chance that they were going to call the cops. Like right. They were talking about it, talking about it. No one ever showed up, but uh, no cops ever showed up. But it was pretty popping for a minute. There was mm-hmm. a lot of people there. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. But I think maybe like a cop showed up like near the end. Like we were at the, the FU's actually played last on our show last that night because we were playing at like 11 o'clock though Uh so like it might have happened like during our set from what i hear to like but yeah yeah i'm not but i'm not entirely sure that's just what i heard though yeah yeah i mean that's that's just part of how shows like there's a chance that the cops are going to show up and then a bunch of people are going to leave once the cops show up yeah but those who still are there to hang They're the true homies. Mm -hmm. Kind of. And that's one thing I will say kind of annoyed me that night is at that point, I pretty much told everyone, I was like, hey, party's over. And people would just not go the fuck home. People, I mean, I get it. Like, and I, I went around and told people that I knew directly. I was like, hey, you can stay, you can stay, you can stay. But there were so many people who I had to keep going out and being like, hey, is your Uber coming? And they're, like, standing in the street, like, blocking the road and wouldn't leave for, like, an hour after I said the party was over. And uh, that shit just annoyed me at a certain point. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's just part of the fucking rigor morale, though, if you're going to be out and playing. I've been listening to a lot of uh, new music lately, and I actually have a new playlist it's just called the Poptimist playlist on Spotify. So it's a mix of new stuff, old stuff, different Nashville bands we know um, are on there. 
but I've, I forgot to mention that the past couple of episodes, so check it out. I want people to be able to actually hear what's going on here and then kind of mix in the other shit that I like. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Brad, once, once your new single comes out, um, definitely send it to me and I'll add it onto the list. Oh, will do, man. Appreciate Is there anything that. you've been listening to lately that's new? Um, well, I know like there was... Forget what it was, but I know several weeks ago there was just like a week where like I know like several like local artists like just dropped dropped music music. I'm trying to think who who it was. Um, I know the reveal just dropped their EP. Yeah, they did. But I remember I know I heard like Violet Moons dropped their their new single. Yeah, yeah. Def Use put out a new EP. Um, I know like Lydia's Castles EP came out. There was one more, or oh yeah, Multi Ultra put out a new single. Yeah, Multi Ultra. You yeah. went to the Basement East to their release party, didn't you? Yeah, I did. That was such an amazing show, was mm-hmm. it not? Yeah, they always put on a great, great show. That was the first time I had actually seen them play only originals. Mm-hmm. I had I had seen them at like Johnny Cash's a couple times with Dusty. Uh, yeah, with Dusty. Um, I haven't seen, but, uh, at the basement was the first time I saw them with their new drummer. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, I wasn't really surprised cause they're all incredible musicians. Um, but they've got a real good, um, repertoire. Like their, their music's great. I haven't listened to them before. I haven't seen them play. Yeah, they put on a great show, um, lots of energy. And to me, that's that's a huge thing, especially when you're like a local band kind of starting off, is being able to, um, you know, like really get people pumped up and excited. And that's one thing um, I would almost, I mean, I can't speak on their behalf, but I would say that, that, that playing on Broadway has probably helped with that because, you know, kind of, you know, to make good money on Broadway, you have to like, be checking in with the crowd and like pumping them up and, and stuff like that. And shit. Exactly. You have to put on a show. Yeah. yeah. I, I like to refer to Broadway as like the trenches of rock and roll. And I feel like it they've is. really spent their time in the trenches. So now their original shows are just kick ass. Well, I have so much respect for those, those Broadway musicians, uh, just because of how hard they work. And I noticed I hadn't seen Scotty or garden of Eden in a long time. Like pre Broadway, pre pre COVID, yeah. And then we played that Norfleet set with them at the Cobra a couple of months ago, and it was a huge difference. And of all the players are different in the band now too, so I think that was that was part of it. But like, they were they were just so fucking tight. And Scotty has a confidence that I've never seen in him before on stage. Speaking of, I'm going to mm-hmm. plug the next Eat Sleep Rock Nashville show that features the Garden of Eden and Hippies and Cowboys. It is next Wednesday, uh, July 6th uh, at the basement. At the so, basement. What time? It starts, I believe, at 930. $10 tickets? Correct, yes. You can Fuck buy them uh, on the basement's official website. Dude, what's crazy, if you like Google the basement Nashville... There's like videos of like Metallica and the Black Keys and people like that playing. There. Cage the Elephant too. Really? I I recently the other day watched a uh, ain't ain't no rest for the wicked live set at the basement. Just a, like just a week or so ago. Yeah, there's there's wow. a, a cage 
Well, I think too, the other thing that would happen is bands would come rolling through town to Grimey's and do shows there during the day. And then later that night, they would play down at the basement. Because Grimey's, of course, used to be right above right. Yep. the basement. Mm-hmm. I remember record store day there used to be so fun. Yeah. No, it, it was it was fucking awesome. I saw um, Dan Auerbach do a uh, a solo set for his um, the release of his second album. It was on the release day of Waiting on a Song, and he had like all these old school Nashville players with him. Nice. But yeah, they just played in the parking lot behind the basement. Like, down. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they've been doing mm-hmm. that a lot lately. Uh, I think before it got, like, super hot, weren't they doing uh, a New Faces Night outside there in the parking lot? I don't know, know if they were. I think they had... Or they were was, doing it something. It was something called, like, Outback. I think it was either, like, a Friday or Saturday afternoon. Okay, maybe it was something different. I could be mistaken. Um, but I know that... Because I remember last time I went to... I believe it was the multi-ultra show. I saw a stage set up yeah. uh, out front like they had just gotten done doing something out there. Playing outside is always a mixed bag. Yeah, it could you go either know way. what the situation is going to be. It's all up to the engineers. It really is, mm-hmm. yeah. So oh, yeah. Hopefully that, you know what you're doing. If that's you're really when it depends on a fucking engineer because it's like the band can sound good, but it can either sound too muddy or that it can be too like reverby and echoey. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I was actually, because um, me and Brad were both at uh, the Sacred Show last night at Donaldson Pub, and I was talking to Andy, the bass player from the Sacred. I was um, I was talking to him about the sound engineer at Donaldson Pub, and I don't know him personally, so I'm not trying to throw shade at him or anything. I He's a little bit of an older guy, um, so I mean, I'm not trying to pick on him or anything, but there were things that I couldn't like Andy mentioned a couple times that he was like messing up on his backup vocals. And I was like, dude, I couldn't even hear your backup vocals like at all. <laughs> and that's inside. But I mean, it, it really makes a like a good engineer versus like, you know, a not so good engineer. It makes all the difference in my opinion. Yeah. Playing well, live. It's you, so important. You know, the venues in the nights where it's like you get a certain person and you're like, Oh shit! Yeah. This is how this show is gonna go, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's always just you you never really end up knowing. I've never been to the Donaldson Pub, um, but I think Donaldson is the most underrated part of town in Nashville. Really? Why do you say that? Because it's so close to downtown in East Nashville. Um, there's ways to like zigzag around to to get through to get there. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's a Publix there and I really like that. <laughs> it's for Publix. It's, it's, for Publix. it's Publix, Publix and it's close to the better parts of town. It's close to the better parts of town. <laughs> there's also plenty of bathrooms over there. I'm an Uber driver. Okay. Okay. So I understand this. All right. So you, you have a bias. Get, yeah, I have some bias and you can also get the, the gas prices aren't too bad over there. That is true. That is I will true. Be, yeah. There's a lot of hotels over there. There mm-hmm. is because it's so close to the airport. Yeah. yeah. I used to live in that section of town. I lived at this place called, uh, when I, like, it was my first apartment in Nashville. I, I had lived in East Nashville when I first got here, but I moved out because I wasn't getting along with my roommate. It was just one of those situations. And I moved to this place called the Sycamores. 
and I had this 735 square foot one bedroom apartment, which is pretty big by Nashville standards. Yeah, it's not bad actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't paying that much a month. It was like $800, $900 when I first moved in there. Damn. And it was super close to downtown. It was like seven minutes from downtown and like seven minutes from Donaldson. So it was like a really great location. Eventually I started working in the leasing office there, mm-hmm. but, and that's a whole saga in itself that I've, I've told on the podcast, but it was a really nice place to live. Um, and that's, that's where the podcast started at was in that apartment. Oh, cool. So I always have great, uh, great memories of that place. And that was, uh, the infamous episode where I had no name blues on, it was like their first appearance on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up like just smoking weed the entire fucking time. Nice. Um, nice. and they got high beforehand because they didn't know if I smoked or not because I kind of I look like a square oh I remember Josh telling me about this yeah so <laughs> they they come in I'm st- I just got out of work so I was in like nice clothes like suit like tie all of that mm-hmm. and um I come I come out I change and I come out to him like yo you guys like smoking weed and they just start laughing because they're like we're high as fuck right now we were just smoking in the car we didn't know if you were into smoking weed or not they're like we got as high as possible before we came straight up that's what Dustin said yeah I love that that's such a stoner mentality yeah yeah but it's just it's funny I've been looking back through the all the old episodes and seeing just like all the people that I've had on and the people that have kind of been the mainstays throughout time and of, of course it's like Josh and the weird sisters and people like that. But it's, it's grown and evolved over time. And I've met so many cool people because of it Mm -hmm. and have so many great friendships because of it. And I feel, I feel really lucky. I I don't always take the time I feel to, to be grateful, but lately I've been waking up in the mornings and meditating for 10 minutes and writing down five things I'm grateful for. Nice. Um, nice. And it, it could be any kind of random shit, you know. It could be just like the fact that the weather cooled down because it was hot as fuck in Nashville, and then the temperature dropped. It's still hot, but it's mm-hmm. not like it was last week. Yeah, where it was like a hundred and five every fucking day. I just want to die. Um, but I feel like being grateful for stuff is it keeps me in the moment a little bit. I really struggle with being in the moment. Like I always, I'm always thinking about what am I going to do next? How am I going to advance myself as a human Mm -hmm. being and in my career? And it prevents me from being present and being present in my, my friendships and all that shit. Cause I'm always thinking, or my relationships with my family, whatever it is. Um, but I've gotten better at it over time, but you know, for me, these past six months, like Danny has seen a, a pretty good portion of it. And I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but I've, uh, I've had some really poor health. I have this, uh, this thing called vestibular neuritis where the nerve between my inner ear and my brain became inflamed somehow. And it made me really motion sick. I couldn't really mm-hmm. drive. I didn't really feel like I wanted to gig. And in January of this year, I was at a real low point 
probably the, the lowest point of my adult life. And I felt just very depressed and alone. Like I couldn't even drive myself to the grocery store or to Kroger or like to the gas station right around the corner from here. That's two minutes away Mm -hmm. without feeling sick or feeling like I'm going to put someone else's life in danger if I'm on the road right now. And it's been a very humbling experience because it's forced me into slowing down Um, and being okay with sitting still. I'm still not good at it and I'm not a very patient person but it's really highlighted that as I'm heading into my thirties now, like just taking the time to sit and not do anything. I struggle with that. Yeah. It's good to, to stop and uh, appreciate things, you know, and when you're forced to, that's sometimes when, you know, you realize how much you need to do stuff like that. I'm guilty of the same stuff. Yeah. Same. It's hard. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you guys do to try and like overcome that and just bring yourself back? I know like, well, before I came over here, I was just kind of just lined it. Just wanted to like lay down, shut my eyes for a little bit, just to kind of like just take a break from everything. Cause sometimes usually like, like I'll usually like chill out when I get home. But a lot of times, like I'm always thinking like, okay, what do I got to do next? next though because i'm always like go 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 sometimes need those moments where i just like like stop for a second just chill chill appreciate everything i used to smoke weed (laughs) Mm. um but now i go to the gym because yeah Yeah. it's a little healthier Mm -hmm. yeah and i think uh, the other thing is too is like trying to do some kind of physical activity can change my mind instantly. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Like, whether it's yoga or I've started running again recently, like, I because I really wasn't physically active at all these, these past six months, and I gained mm-hmm. the most weight of my life, and I just started feeling like shit about myself, where I'm like, fuck. I started eating shit I hadn't eaten in years, like Arby's. I had, which mm-hmm. by the way, fuck Arby's. Danny, I know you work there, but I'm done with them. I had a Oh, horrible, I hate Arby's too. <laughs> I had a horrible experience. I went to the Arby's that's over on Gallatin Pike, the mm-hmm. one, not the one over in Rivergate, the other one in Madison. It's right across the street from McDonald's. I went there, I got a, um, a roast beef sandwich, came home bit into the sandwich for whatever reason I had picked it up upside down and I was about to eat it mm-hmm. and then I bit into it and I was like what the fuck is wrong with this there was like ash caked onto the bottom of it like ash cakes it's so gross what? and I was so Ugh. furious and then it was so random Ugh. because right after that I had one of my riders call me I just got done with Uber they had left their phone in my car this was during CMA Fest they were my last ride of the night. They called me and they were like, yo, we left our phone in your car. Can you please bring it to us? We will give you a cash tip. So I was like, fuck Arby's times two. I'm going to get this cash tip. Dude, Arby's is so trash. Honestly, like out yeah. of all the food places that I've worked, I will still eat at Taco Bell. Taco Bell was my first job. I... 
I know people say that it's horrible for you, but I fuck with Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell is good when you're under the influence of substances as well. Yeah, well, yeah. and it's cheap as hell. Mm-hmm. And I will say though, fuck the East Nashville Taco Bell. I will go on yep. record. <laughs> They are the worst Taco Bell in town. Like if you It's the worst Taco Bell I've ever been to. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They suck. They're it's terrible. However, if you get to a good Taco Bell, like there's this one off of uh Harding Pike in the twenty four. Um or Harding Place in the twenty four. Are those the same thing? I don't even know. Harding Pike and Harding Place. I think one turns into the other at a certain point. Okay, mm-hmm. well it's Harding Place at this point. But it's right by Harding Place on the 24. It used to be one of those Taco Bells that was also a Pizza Hut. And oh. it, it was shitty oh. back then. Yeah, the combo. Yeah. Those always sucked, but they they figured their shit out. They fired all their staff. They got they dropped Pizza Hut. And then they were just like, we're Taco Bell now. This is this is us. And we're they changing got, our ways. Yeah. Right. And then they got, dude, <laughs> yeah. I love that Taco Bell. And the nice. and the lady that works there, I wish I knew her name. She is the sweetest lady. And she always like makes jokes and stuff. Like uh she'll always like add a zero. So like say your meal's like twelve dollars, she'll be like $120 at the window. And she'll like fuck with people and stuff. <laughs> Um, I, it's awesome. Yeah. I think I know that Taco Bell that you're talking about. I think I went there one time. I think it was after I'd gotten off, off work, work one night or something like that. I just wanted to get some food before heading back home. But I remember, I know which lady you're talking about. Yeah. She's cool. But also, but also the Taco Bell on Nolan, Nolansville Pike though, for whatever reason, like it's here, like after like eight or nine o'clock, they always... Whenever I try to order, they say, like, oh, our system's down. We're only accepting cash, though. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm going like, I think they do that, bro. I think they do that shit. That way they don't have to work. Yeah, it's like McDonald's yeah. with their fucking shake machine. Yeah. It just yeah. does. Oh, it's broken it's like again. The ice cream machine that just magically broke again. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, in my hometown, the only Taco Bell was on the Navy base. My dad was in the Navy. So we were able to get Taco Bell that way. And I remember we would bring my friend Kane. He was always so excited whenever he went on base with us because he was able to get mm-hmm. Taco Bell. And eventually they built a Pizza Hut KFC Taco Bell. Oh, I've seen those. Hybrid. Um, I've seen those. And yeah, that was a wow. big deal when they made that because um, they built that there. And it was like pandemonium when it first opened in my town. Like everybody was freaking the fuck yeah, out because I was in a small town. There's mm-hmm. some of those in Vegas. Oh, was it one of the KFCs that does the buffet too? Have you seen those? Yeah. So it, Those it, are it crazy. Didn't, it didn't do the buffet. But um, I like it's funny looking back on like the 90s and early 2000s when I grew up. Because you look back on it now, and there's just shit that, like, uh, like very rarely do you see a KFC buffet now. I know. They're super mm-hmm. rare. They're very rare. There's mm. still one down in, like, the Fort Lauderdale area where my sister lives. We drove by it, and it still had, like, the buffet sign. Yeah. There's um, one right off of Murf- uh, off the 24, exit 78B in Murfreesboro, if anyone's wondering. Noted. So if anybody's looking for the the throwback um, KFC, you can go there. I used to work at the Arby's right across the street from there. That's how I know. The Arby's I worked at was right there. And sometimes I'd be like, "Eh, fuck Arby's. I'm going to get KFC. Mm. And I'd always see them like taking down the buffet. I haven't had KFC in years. I don't even think I've had it since I moved to Nashville. 
but I remember even like the last couple of times I had it, I, I don't know if it's declined in quality or I'm just not a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of KFC, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there, there was this one place that when we went up to, in fe- up to Charlotte to play a gig in February, we stopped at like Bojangles though. Oh yeah. I love Bojangles. Yeah, Their breakfast but, uh, biscuit yeah, sandwiches are awesome. Our front man, Matt was saying like, Bojangles is like different in like North Carolina compared to like other places though. Really? Yeah. I've heard that too about places like um, Whataburger because I tried Whataburger and I thought it was kind of overrated, but I know a couple people from Texas and they were saying, yeah, it's, it's different here because it's not different. No, it's not different. It's it's overrated for sure. In and out all day. Was that uh, it's because all of their warehouses and shit. So they get the ingredients that are fresher. In and out is the best. I've never had in and out Are there in and outs in Vegas? There are, mm. yes. There's uh, the closest in and out to us is, I believe, in Texas. How does in and out rank against, like, five guys? So this is an interesting one. So five guys are, like, way more customizable. And I would say that, like, you're probably getting a better burger at five guys, but you're you're paying, like two to three times the price. So, so you, so you got to consider that. Oh dude, double doubles are like, uh, I think they're literally, are they three twenty five or four ten? They're like three twenty five or four ten for a double double. Like they're extremely cheap. Yeah. A whole meal is like 10 bucks with a drink and fries and a, and a double cheeseburger. I love a good, like local spot or local chain whenever I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. I want to go to this spot where everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's where we we all go. You know what I mean? Like in, in my hometown, there's this this place called um, Fat Boys. And Fat Boys is only open from March until October. Nice. Because of the winter. So, But they have just like burgers and like, uh, like they call like – they have these things that are called fraps, but they're different than milkshakes somehow. I don't know what the difference is. They're, like, way thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, like, fried chicken and all sorts of, like, fried oysters and shit like that. But it's, it's like, it's a big deal whenever it opens. But whenever I go somewhere new, I like finding a place that's like that. Like, I feel like one of those places in Nashville, it's open all year, of course, but Barbecue is a really good place. Yeah, Barbecue mm-hmm. is not bad. Um like fast serve barbecue, I guess. This is what I struggle with all the time, not to completely change the subject, but people always come to town like family and they'll be like, what is the best barbecue in Nashville? And I think about this a lot. I have not actually been to like a lot of like really local mom and pop barbecue places in Nashville. I know like Martin's and Jack's and I know, like, of course, the fast serve places like Barbecutie, and uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Slick Pig. There's one in Murfreesboro, um, but I don't know where to like send people who just want good mom and pop like barbecue in Nashville. Am so, I am I alone on this? The best place that I know of, like, I do think Martin's is good and Barbecutie's is good, but yeah, the, but they're like, they're tourists. They're the best spot though is Pop Attorneys, 
Pop Attorneys. Pop okay. Pop Attorneys out on Percy Priest Lake. Have uh, you guys heard of this place before? I've I, not heard of this. I place. think he, I may have heard you mention this before, but I've never been there. So this is a place, this is another early Nashville place that I played at a lot, like at the Blues Jams. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible, like the owner's name's, his name's Mike Turney. He's, he's the owner. He's a, a badass guitar player too. And the house band on Wednesday nights, they have a great blues jam there. It's three bean soup. And it's Terry Goose Downing, Patio Daddio, and Don Kendrick are the band. And they're just like cool, old school Nashville dudes. Um, but they have great brisket there, great chicken. All of the food is incredible. It's right on the lake. Like, you're literally right there. Cool. Um, and it's right across from, like, Nashville Shores. You can see Nashville Shores from Oh, there. sweet. Hell okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, the other cool thing about this place is there's usually a lot of tourists there as well, which is kind of crazy. But you're out on the lake, so it's people who are coming to town, and they're, like, wanting to go swimming and shit. Mm-hmm. And they'll just come up, and they'll see, like, a local barbecue spot. And um, they're blown away because, like, Pop Attorneys is the kind of place where you're going to have those heavy hitters like you had at a place like the local on that Tuesday night blues jam. But you're also going to have like, they'll throw a kid up there who's been playing guitar for like three months. Oh, cool. So it's like a very welcome, welcoming and inviting place. And anytime I ate shit there, everybody was really nice to me. Oh yeah. I love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So it's a very, just relaxed kind of a vibe. But you say they have the best barbecue, best barbecue, hands down. I mean, I, I do like Martin's a lot. Don't get me wrong. Martin's is very good. It's pricey, though. It's pricey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barbecuity is honestly a little pricey, too. Yeah, for what it is. For yeah, because I don't really consider them like a true barbecue place, though, because they have like, you know, a drive through. Yeah. You know? Have you ever had a central barbecue? No, but I know there's a couple locations in town. They're a chain, too. They're probably my favorite chain, um, but there's this. Other, I would say the closest to like a mom and pop place, but here's the key. It's in Franklin. It's called BB's Barbecue, um, but it's just a window. So it's not like a place that you can go to. And believe do they it, have like picnic tables outside and shit? They do. It's right next to a Shell gas <sighs> station. Shit, um, and there it's for, I mean, it's Franklin, so it's really cheap. Um, it's not, it's surprisingly cheap for being in Franklin. Um that's probably some of the best barbecue I've gotten in town. Well, or out of town, depending on how you see Franklin. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. co- it's close enough. Yeah. Uh, Brad, what is your like favorite place back in your hometown? Is there anywhere that like is only open for a certain amount of time or like a famous pizza shop or anything like that? There's definitely a couple places. Like when I do go back home to visit my family, we, we have to like go to... One is definitely Luminati's for their deep dish pizza... And then, like, Portillo's as well. Is Portillo's just a, an Italian place? It, it's got, like, you know, they got, like, burgers, Italian beef, hot dogs, fries, fries milkshakes. Yeah. That's, like, a lot of uh, places, I feel like, in Nashville, I, since growing up in New England, like, every gas station you go into up there, they have, like, pizza, and you can get, like, a pastrami sandwich and shit like that. But it's not like that here. Mm-hmm. Or even finding those foods are kind of hard. Like, those northern-style foods where it's, like, it's it's hard to find a good fucking meatball sub in Nashville. Yeah. It's hard to find a good cheesesteak in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of shit I miss. There's, like, a few places yeah. I found that are good. 
But I always love finding like a good cheesesteak somewhere out in the wild and just getting blown away. That's if I could eat something every single day and never get tired of it, it's probably a cheesesteak. Hell yeah. How northern of you. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, Danny, do you have anything else that you're trying to plug? Um, that basement show, uh, and then I have a Kimbrough show coming up the day after on the seventh, but, um, I, it's still like the details are still pending, but, um, (laughs) but if Thursday night, uh, July 7th, you want to come out to Kimbrough's, there will be an Eat Sleep Rock Nashville show there for sure. And how can people find you, Danny? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at shooting the shit, or you can follow, uh, at eat sleep rock Nashville on Instagram as well, or on our website at www.esrnashville.com. Brad, what shows do you have coming up? I don't have too many solo shows coming up, but I do have like, do have some, several FU shows coming up, up in like the months of July, August, and September. So July 15th, we're going to Morgantown, Kentucky, Kentucky to play 127 Main. And then then on in August, we're flying out to LA to play the Viper Room. Oh, that's with, so uh, cool. Congratulations, man. Thanks. That's awesome, man. And then, then we're going up to uh, Cincinnati, Ohio on August 27th to play Three Feather Records. And then on September 8th, we're playing the Five Spot with Echo Pilot. Nice. Nice. And where can people find you at? You can find me on Instagram at Brad Soonin Music. I'm also on Facebook, TikTok. Nice. Cool. Well, and hey. Spotify yeah. uh, and all the streaming platforms. And your new solo single, what is it called again? Didn't Last. Okay. And that's yeah. going to be out July 15th. July 15th. And my second single, Dive, will be coming out August 26th. And the rest of the EP will come out sometime in like early October. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Time to go get some Arby's. Mm-hmm.